Hey friend, this is Julie and you are listening to Job with Julie. This podcast is a production of Authentic Intimacy, a ministry dedicated to reclaiming God's design for sexuality. Before we jump into today's conversation, I want to ask you, have you subscribed to Job with Julie yet? When you subscribe on your listening app, you will automatically find the new Job with Julie episodes in your feed every Monday. It's super easy, doesn't cost anything. You just click the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. Today I'm grabbing Java with Hannah Nitz and Trisha Lott Williford. I wanted to talk about something that is currently happening a lot in our culture. You've heard me talk about it before. It's the idea of deconstructing from Christianity. Predominantly young Christians are now walking away from their faith at record numbers because God hasn't turned out to be who they thought he was. And questions about sexuality can be a major factor in that. So how do you respond when a friend or family member is deconstructing or questioning what they believe? How do you walk with them? Do you have to have answers to all their questions? How about if you're deconstructing? Well, that's our conversation for today. So let's head to the coffee shop with Hannah Nitz and Trisha Williford. So a new phrase has really been popping up in Christian circles, and it's this phrase deconstructing from the faith or deconstructing from Christianity. And there have been some pretty public examples of that, but it's kind of prompted this conversation of people even just saying, yeah, I'm deconstructing from my evangelical roots or from my childhood faith. And it has the concept of, I no longer think I believe what I believed in the past. And uh, I know each of us in our own way, in our own journey, with our own friends, have seen this happen. But I thought it'd be good just to have a conversation of what is deconstructing? Why do we deconstruct? And most importantly, like, where's our anchor through it? So thanks for joining me for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I know you, you two have never done this, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think we're both sitting here silently like, oh, man, can we talk about like, like the fruits of the Spirit or something? <laughs> right. Is there anything a little more straightforward with oh, some answers? I know. Yeah. Right. And so a hard. finish line and ways to metrically measure it. Yeah. 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 I see this everywhere, Julie. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. I mean, I have a good number of people in my life who I have seen the phrase, like, I no longer consider myself an evangelical. They've used the word deconstructed, like you're saying, or I'm really Mm reexamining what I believe. Mm -hmm. Sentences that feel a little scary to hear, honestly. Yeah, Yeah, and there are conferences and podcasts all around this idea of deconstruction. From mm-hmm. Christian right. authors. Yes. Yeah. That's when it feels scary is when it's yes. someone that I've studied under. And Correct. I feel like uh, you've given me some of my greatest moments of clarity. You've Correct. guided me to these anchors that are what I believe in. What do I do if you are deconstructing them? What yes. If you're taking them apart, you're taking me apart. Yeah. It feels really, like. Yeah. It's I very agree. scary. Yes. Yeah. I think that on a big picture level, like the larger authors who we would identify with and that we've learned from... I'd also say even personally, people who are closer to me that I've watched it happen, who are Mm. a friend who, or people I've considered a personal mentor or leader in some way in our community who goes through it, and it, I felt a similar shaking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wait a second. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're on the good team. (laughs) Right. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to ask those questions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So kind of, I don't know, the conversation kind of freaks me out sometimes. There's so much to this. um, Yeah. And there's a real overlap 
in the topics that we usually address at Authentic Intimacy with sexuality, because a lot of people are deconstructing over sexual issues. Mm. Yes, uh, good point. That mm-hmm. is a very good point. Yeah, so a lot of our conversations around... Well, good, so you can lead us in all this, too. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Show us the way. <laughs> I don't know. I have done a little bit of thinking and praying through this, and uh, one thing I realized, and I think it's a really good starting point, is that we all regularly deconstruct from our faith. Now, that's quite a statement to make, but Hannah, I know you just texted me the other day. I've challenged you before to oh, read. Oh, man, yes, yeah, to, I did text <laughs> you the did. other day. I'm like, she's deconstructing. But I challenged you to read through the whole Bible and to really go through the Old Testament, which I'm doing too, and I do about every year, every other year. Mm. And every time I read through the whole Bible, I hit some deconstruction. Yeah, I texted you something along the line of, can you help me understand the Old Testament? It's really confusing to read that God hates people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I still don't have the answer to that, so I look forward to our lunch date after this. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. When mm-hmm. you explain everything to me. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that is a level of, wait a second, I don't, mm-hmm. what I'm reading doesn't line up with what I thought was true. Yes. What do I do with this? Yeah. And yeah. so deconstruction is anything we come across that is challenging our beliefs. And so it can be something we read in Scripture where we're like, wow, I, I always thought of God like this, and I'm reading this passage mm-hmm. that presents God in a totally different light, and I have to wrestle with that. Or it can be something that we experience in life where we're like, I've always thought that God would give me this or be like this, but my mm-hmm. experience is showing me that maybe He doesn't love me or He's not always there for me. And Trisha, I know in your story, mm-hmm. you hit a tragedy that caused you to deconstruct. Absolutely, it did. I lost my husband very quickly. He was just sick for 12 hours, and the doctors thought that he had the flu. And they sent us home from the hospital, and they said, he won't die from this. He's just going to feel like it. Mm. And then he did die. Mm. And they were wrong with his diagnosis, and they were wrong with his prognosis. And they got it wrong. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I was 31 years old and a widowed single mom with two little children. And God had allowed all of this to happen. Mm -hmm. And that was very, very hard. It was deconstructing. My family was deconstructed. Yes. And that caused me to feel like, where is my faith? I thought God gave all of these things to me. And I actually thought it was his favor from a life well lived. Mm-hmm. I thought it was his favor for my obedience and that he had given me all of these things and had been so kind. Oh, yeah. That'll mess you up then. Oh. When it's gone. A plus B like, Wait equals a second. C. Wait a minute. Yeah. So then if C is not the result of A plus B, then do I have to obey anymore? Because isn't this thing just going to play out whatever way he wants it to anyway? Because oh, there's no righteousness in this if I obey his commands and if I seek justice and love mercy and all of these things that he's asked me to do, it didn't pay off for me. Mm-hmm. So screw it all. There was a season. <laughs> there was a season of forget it. My therapist said, I believe this is what we call when, how did you say it? The lid has come off of your conscience. Ooh, right. Oh, wow. That's a sense you don't expect to hear from right? a therapist. No. <laughs> As an adult, you she know? She said, and that that is okay. Right. Like, essentially, mm-hmm. she was saying you are deconstructing. Yeah. And that is okay. Yeah. And so, just in your own stories and in my story, like I said, it was like an aha moment for me to realize, wait, I do this all the time. 
Mm. Like on a regular basis, either because of things I encounter or because of things that I'm reading about God, I'm like, wow, he's not who I thought he was. Mm. Or life is not playing out the way I feel like it was promised to play out. And we hear this term deconstruction and immediately, like you said, that's scary. But what I started to realize is actually we have to deconstruct for our faith to grow. Mm. And our faith doesn't always grow when it's challenged, but it can't grow if it's not challenged, mm. which is like, wow, that's a different way for me to think about this. Mm-hmm. I think of when my boys were small and they were, they loved Legos mm-hmm. and everything was about the Legos and building and constructing And when they would build something and it would start to feel like, look, mommy, look how beautiful this is. Look how good it is. This is, I built a strong tower. I built a spaceship. I built a castle. And then the dog would walk by and wag his tail and the whole structure would start to sway. And I'd be like, well, pal, maybe you need to, no, mommy, don't touch it. (laughs) Mommy, don't touch it. This is how I want it to be. This is what I want it to look like. Pal, it's going to crash, baby. If you just put some, just build some things over here. If you just deconstruct this and build a firmer foundation, you're gonna. This is gonna be even better. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. Later on, this metaphor is I killing me. It is. <laughs> it just kind of unfolded in my mind as I was listening to you that I was like, "Where have I seen this before?" Oh, I've seen it yes, with my children. Mothering. <laughs> yes, smothering and their small minds and their, yeah. you know, they're not small minds, but their way of thinking that right. I, I have a little more life experience to know. Oh, honey, all you need on this Lego structure is one other thing. Mm-hmm. So God, in His greatness, is saying, Trish. It's okay. What you have is very beautiful. I'm just asking you to rebuild your foundation. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that I've ever felt safe. How do I say this? I don't know if I've been given a lot of examples where deconstructing was a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know? That's a good statement. And you started to say safe. And I think we've created a lot of relationships and communities where deconstructing always feels unsafe and it's shut down and so you walk through something really painful Trisha and you begin to say to people who are close to you I don't really know that I believe that God is good mm-hmm. or why should I even obey him if this is going to happen and the first thing we oh. want to do is say don't say that don't, don't say think that. that like let me give you a verse to make you feel better and we short circuit that important necessary process of walking through your real doubts and the same thing with scripture you bring up well the old testament how do i wrestle through this idea that god hated people or was wrathful towards people there's a part of me that would want to say don't think that hannah like let's just hang on to but it's not really loving the true god if we don't wrestle through all of who he is so there aren't a lot of spaces where we're encouraged to do this i don't think i'm doing this right Why do you say that? I feel like if I sat across from you and you had told me that, Trisha, I think I might have been the friend who was like, oh, no, he is good. Don't say that. Mm. Why do I want to do that so bad? You tell me. (laughs) I don't know. You're the psychologist. (laughs) Well, if we had hours, I would pull it out of you. You know, like, why? (laughs) (laughs) Skip it. Go, Go faster, Hannah. We're on a podcast. I just... I don't know. I think there's this fear. Well, actually, probably if I want to get real deep here, I could probably quickly give you an answer. My brother went through this and now doesn't believe in God. Mm -hmm. 
like my brother started asking some of those questions and then it landed him in a spot of like this can't be real mm-hmm. and I think I mean I remember having a conversation like this with my friend Lindsay recently where she was sharing like some things she was wrestling with with who God was and how it was and everything in me was like oh no mm-hmm. this is bad news mm-hmm. do you know yeah mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that is the fear. It's why we shut it down uh, in other people because we don't want to see them walk away from the faith. But we also shut it down because of our own fear of if I start asking those questions, maybe my foundation is going to be shaken. And Mm -hmm. I kind of like my foundation exactly where it is. Mm -hmm. And so we get afraid and we don't know how to put words to it. Mm -hmm. But there are very few spaces and usually it is a therapist who is trained in in sitting in that place of tension with you. Sitting in it. Mm-hmm. I love how you said that. Mm-hmm. I love how you said that. And I think that sometimes, too, especially if we've been raised in the church and we've been raised with, oh, you don't ask those questions. That's No, those aren't questions to ask. You just need to trust God. Yeah, you just read this verse, and here it says he's good. Be- and so carry on. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so carry on. <laughs> and here it says he's good. Yeah, I think that we... He's a good, good father. Come on, you hear the right? song. We like, know the song, yeah. right? And it's the answer. And I think also we have a this honor code of we can't let God look bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is it. Mm-hmm. Right? Dang, yes. Uh, oh, that's disrespectful to God. And I have to honor him, and I need to protect his name, and I need to defend his holiness. Mm. As if... Asking these questions shakes his foundation yeah. as if I'm the one who created this and so I have to maintain it. And as, as if God isn't personally accountable for each of our spiritual formation. Mm-hmm. So mm. he allows us to ask these questions. He invites us to. Invites us to ask these questions knowing that he is big enough, solid enough, and sovereign enough to hold mm-hmm. all the pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if we look through the scripture, we see so many examples of this, Mm -hmm. of deconstruction. Uh, The whole book of Job is a process of deconstructing his faith, and his friends refuse to deconstruct their faith. Yeah. And God bless Job for wrestling through the issue instead of accepting Mm -hmm. pat answers. Mm -hmm. We see in the New Testament, we see Paul, even at the end of his life, really like beginning to deconstruct and saying, I'm alone, I'm lonely, where is everybody? God, have you left me? And asking some really honest questions. We see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane really Mm. asking those same sorts of questions. And so when we look through Scripture, we see all kinds of situations where godly people were wrestling through, God, are you really who you say you are? Is my faith worth walking out or should I just give up on it? And Paul says, you know, working out your salvation Mm -hmm. with fear and trembling, which means there is a working out of this. And we don't use the word deconstruction in this scripture, but it's there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, I guess I've never thought about it being a good thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I really haven't. Yeah. Well, here's the danger of that is I really believe when we see people completely walk away from Jesus and the God of the Bible, it's because when they had little tremors of deconstruction, they were shut down. That's exactly right. Yeah. Either by themselves or by the Christians around them. And the message they got is this is not a legitimate faith. It can't handle my questions, and so therefore it must not be real. That's a really great point. Yeah. 
I mean, and I think I would have agreed with that. Like, oh, yeah, we should welcome the questions. But then when I see the faces, when I close my eyes and see the faces and hear the words of close friends who start to share these questions of God, I have a fear, Mm -hmm. you know. But I love this thought, Julie, of if you find a believer who has like a mature faith and who loves hanging out with God, they have done this. Mm -hmm. Like this is important work that actually grows us. Mm-hmm. It's just a new way for me to frame it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, which is the Hall of Fame of Faith, essentially what it does is it describes how each of those individuals had to trust even when it didn't make sense to trust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the author even says, even when they died, they didn't receive the thing that they were hoping for mm-hmm. because they were looking towards a different city. They were looking towards a different citizenship mm-hmm. that they weren't going to achieve here on earth. But through that tension, they chose to cling to faith, mm. which is profound. It's how we grow in our faith. Mm-hmm. And if we're unwilling to go to those places of asking the hard questions and sitting with people who are asking hard questions, we can't grow. Our faith stays very shallow and vulnerable. Mm. I've been thinking a lot recently about the wisdom of God and the wisdom of Jesus Christ and how the path to the wisdom of Jesus Christ is Jesus himself. And when I seek to find wisdom and understanding without the relationship of Jesus, I can't hold that wisdom. I don't find the answers. The path to those answers is Jesus. Mm. And Jesus is the one that we were made to know. Mm -hmm. Like God is the one who made us The Holy Spirit is the one who lives within us, but Jesus is the one who walked among us. Mm -hmm. And when I'm struggling with the deconstruction of like, God, how does this even make sense? How can this be? How, what have I built my life around? Oh, okay. You know what? Actually, what I need to know right now is I need to look at the friend of Jesus Mm -hmm. and I need to know who he is Mm -hmm. because he was irresistible. Mm. He could not be contained and people who were with him wanted more of him. Mm. Why? I want to know more about this man who was irresistible. Why was he? And at the very end of Hebrews 11, it goes into Hebrews 12, mm. logically, which <laughs> would have been one thought. And it says, therefore, since mm. you're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, and it starts charging us to walk by faith. And the first thing it says is, fix your eyes on Jesus, uh, who's the author and the perfecter of your faith. And so that's exactly what Hebrews tells us to do. If you want to have that kind of faith It's only found by being fixed on Jesus and Mm -hmm. remembering that walking with him is what is going to give you the endurance to cast off all the things that are weighing you down and to walk a life that's honoring to him. So, Trisha, you could say that you personally really experienced this in Mm -hmm. those years of after losing your husband and having this math not add up in your head anymore. Mm -hmm. What then happened? Like you got to the spot where your counselor said, "Oh, your lid has whatever yeah, phrase they used to off of your conscience." <laughs> was there like an aha moment? Was there something that you deconstructed in all this, and then mm-hmm. you saw yeah. something that helped you? I don't know what word to use. Rebuild, or mm-hmm. once you deconstructed it, you're sitting here talking about how much you love Jesus. So surely something was mm-hmm. then constructed. 
That's a wonderful way to ask that question. Well, what I can tell you is from my experience, when the lid had flipped off and when I was like, well, forget this whole thing, I'm going to do whatever I want, what I realized was I was tired of obeying. And I think ultimately Mm -hmm. that's what deconstruction comes down to. I'm tired of obeying. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of living by these rules, Mm -hmm. right? That's a big thought right there. I'm tired of obeying. I want to do this. And I remember saying to my therapist all kinds of things I wanted to do. Because I'd never done it, because I'd never entertained this possibility, and I thought that a life of holiness was a life void and absent of even the desire of these things. So you know what? I want to do all of them. I want to do all of them. Mm -hmm. I want to do all of them. And she said, okay. (laughs) You're like, wait, you're supposed to stop me. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And she added two things. She said, you can do this. You can sleep with all the people you want to sleep with. You can do all the drugs you want to do. You absolutely can. And honestly, Trisha, no one would question it. No one would question that decision because the bottom has fallen out of your world and this would be a natural way for your pendulum to swing. The only thing I'm going to ask you to do is just two things. The first one is have someone safe with you. Mm. As you explore all of these things, when you plan your night out on the town, take a partner, take a friend, take someone who's going to make sure you get home safely. That's important to me. And second, if you could just keep in mind how you're going to explain it to your children, that would be just really good. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> was this was this a Christian yes. therapist? Uh, yes. Did you did, did her response surprise you that she didn't yes. try to talk you out of she all this? She didn't try to she didn't even try to talk me out when I during a season when it was so dark that I thought no life would be better than this life. Mm-hmm. I want out. Mm-hmm. I might do that. And she said, Valid. Valid. You could do that. You mm-hmm. sure could. She said, just not today. Mm-hmm. Just not today. You had a very wise counselor. Very. She gave me all the freedom. So to your question, Hannah, what did I want? I wanted the freedom to disobey. I wanted the freedom to blow the lid off. I wanted the freedom to chase down every dark thing. And she said, what do you want to do? Okay, do it. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do it. Okay. (laughs) Well, you're allowed. And you're allowed. And I think, Trisha, that's so important. Not only in the context that you're describing, but also this larger context of walking away from God. People that don't know the Lord also regularly deconstruct. Yes. They're faced with, where do I go when I die? And is this all there is to life? And I'm lonely, and Mm -hmm. I've got the consequences of my choices now that I have to live with. It's not like it's just Christianity that causes us to ask these questions. Mm -hmm. And I love in the Gospels where the disciples were actually starting to deconstruct. And Jesus had said something very difficult. And uh, a lot of his followers left him. And he turned to his disciples and he said, are you going to leave me too? Mm -hmm. And Peter said, where else are we going to go? Like you alone have the words of eternal life. Mm -hmm. And when we deconstruct the way you're describing, that's what we're left with is this doesn't feel great right now, but there's no better alternative. Where else am I going to go? Even though you don't totally make sense to me right now, God, when I look at my alternatives, at least I know I have you, Mm -hmm. as messy as that may be. And I can either 
do a painful life without you or do it with you. And I choose to do it with you. Absolutely. I think a lot about the thief on the cross next to Jesus who came to him in that very final moment in that last hour, because I wonder what kind of deconstruction that he did. I mean, he was raised in that very same culture. Mm -hmm. And I wonder often if he was raised in the faith, like we don't know what his story is. We don't know if he all of a sudden ran and was like, listen, it's I'm not buying it anymore. What we do know is that in that very last moment, Jesus said, you will be with me. Because he trusted in that last moment. Now, here's what I wondered often about. His family was likely not close enough to hear that last minute Mm -hmm. conversion. Mm -hmm. They thought that he died a thief unforgiven who had done his own thing for all of his days and finished his life without any faith. And they didn't know until they got there. And I often wonder how about how many people have I made that decision of like, well, they just died in in a place of unbelief. And I don't know what conversations they're having with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I don't know what is happening. And ultimately, when I watch someone else deconstructing, I realize that it's me not trusting God to hold their pieces. I'm not trusting him to have those last conversations or any of those conversations I'm saying oh I need to give you the answers let me get mm-hmm. let me just let me just circumvent your whole process and I'll just tell you this oh, is how it should go so convicting <laughs> and I'm not trusting God to say I, it's all right okay you need to ask those questions okay mm-hmm. is that what you want okay no I feel like I need to like pick up the vibe of your counselor you know what I mean mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. man how can I have more of that she's pretty great welcoming <laughs> to anyone in their faith of like if the gospel is as true and as freeing as we say it is and as the bible says it is Mm -hmm. that's how i would respond to people Mm -hmm. and if i actually believed that it wasn't up to me if i said the right thing or not and i didn't have to do the right work to make sure they still believe in god that that was god's work Mm -hmm. i think i would respond that way as well Mm -hmm. those are two things that i'm like Yikes, I don't know if I actually believe that when I'm sitting down with someone who's saying, I don't know if I'm an evangelical anymore. Mm -hmm. Woo! So how might you respond differently now? I don't know yet. I now know that if they say, can I go do anything? I'm going to say yes. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, just, you can be their safe person yeah, who goes with wait them. Wait till you have a teenager, right? Oh, mm. You know what, though? I actually just had a conversation last week with someone who is dating and is having a hard time finding someone to date that doesn't want to have sex. And they said to me, I just really need to talk to you. I just don't know if this is worth it. Like, if I can't find anyone, like, this used to be such an mm-hmm. honorable thing when I was growing up and in high school and in college. Like, oh, I'm not having sex till I'm married. And Christian women were attracted to that in me. And now, he said, I am living this way, and it's like a turnoff to anyone I'm dating. This is a guy. Yeah. Wow. And he's saying, like, I don't know what, what I do mm-hmm. with this. Like, is this still true? Mm-hmm. Is this still good? And ironically, in so many words, I said to him, if you're not sleeping with people to follow some rule and look good and make other Christians happy, just go sleep with someone. Like, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If your heart is in pleasing God in this, like a reflection of God, that's the why. Mm-hmm. And it was this a very, very lengthy conversation, but essentially him realizing, like, I've been following these rules. Mm-hmm. 
and a deconstructing in a way of, wait, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And it was an amazing conversation with him where he was like pumped up about Jesus by the end. Mm-hmm. But I guess maybe I did say you have freedom. Mm-hmm. Huh. Good job, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> For the 99 times I've messed it up. But yeah, I mean, it's like a deconstructing mm-hmm. of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. The formula didn't work for you anymore. You yeah. followed all the rules. You were obedient. Mm-hmm. Your husband died. Yep. Like mm-hmm. this, what does this mean? And now what? Yeah. I think it's critical not only in how we think through these issues in our own faith journey, but even though you don't have control over what somebody else does in their deconstruction process, you do have influence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you, you talk about the therapist that you went to see, Trisha, that that woman brought so much context and wisdom mm-hmm. into your process and your journey. Imagine if you had gone to a therapist who didn't believe in God mm-hmm. and who was pushing the deconstruction, not in a healthy way. Right, but, maliciously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have counselors and friends and... Professors. Yes. And mm-hmm. even the scripture talks about wolves among the sheep within the, the family of God that will look for that vulnerable person who's experiencing a tragedy or working through questions. And uh, instead of helping them rebuild towards God, helps them rebuild away from God. Mm-hmm. And. That's critical in our lives and in, in the people around us. So, Julie, let's say that someone writes into authentic intimacy and or you sit down with someone and they say something along the lines of maybe what Trisha was saying, maybe what some of my friends were saying of something happened mm-hmm. and I don't know if I believe God is who he says he is anymore mm-hmm. or you know, I watched how the church reacted to this issue on sexuality, and I'm so disgusted by it. I don't know if I call myself an evangelical anymore. Someone sitting down expressing this, the deconstructing, mm-hmm. and says, like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. What would your wisdom be to someone who's in that spot and starting the deconstruction? Mm. Well, there's a different situation between somebody writing into our ministry and somebody sitting down with me. And I think that's really key because when somebody writes in or somebody posts something on social media, it's impossible to really do or say anything that's going to be helpful in that process. That's, again, a statement because what they don't want is something that sounds cliché. A Bible verse or just hang on to this because like, oh, I'm asking like a life-threatening question right now Mm. and you're answering with something that's supposed to make me feel better. Is that all you got? Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to be very careful not to give simplistic answers. Even when people are, for example, writing in an email, the most important thing is you've got to walk through this process, find somebody to walk through it with you. Find many people. Find um, godly mentors, Christian counselors, people that love you. Pour your heart out to the Lord. Be in the scriptures. That's a process, and you can't do that over email unless Mm -hmm. you're going to write each other epistles, basically. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, But the presence of somebody else sitting with you in it and enduring that tension with you 
is so powerful. You can't you can't shortcut it. And I think often we want to be able to have this paragraph of wisdom that's going to help somebody through something. But in reality, that's going to be shallow if you're really going through something painful that's causing you to deconstruct. But I will say in that relationship, if I'm walking with somebody through that, one of the most important things to do, which is what your counselor did, is to validate that tension Mm -hmm. and not try to talk you out of it. Mm -hmm. And so, like, for example, when you say, boy, the way Christians are acting, I don't want to be associated with them. Validate that. Mm -hmm. Yes, as Christians, not just globally, but me personally, I often am not a good representation of who Jesus Christ is and who he was on the face of the earth. And we need to repent of that. Or validating, like your counselor did, nobody would second guess you if you did these things. Mm -hmm. The pain that you're walking through, the way that your life has fallen apart, anyone would feel that way. Mm -hmm. You're valid in being angry. You're valid in wanting to rebel. I get that. And that's an important first step that, Mm -hmm. again, a lot of us don't want to do because it feels like, wow, I'm pushing them further into the tension Mm -hmm. instead of trying to pull them out. I think as well, I love how you said, find someone who will walk through it with you, because sometimes I think that these people are bringing their questions to us for, yes, I'd like your perspective, but also, will you still love me if I ask these questions? Oh, dang. Right? Mm -hmm. Is this a deal breaker? Yeah. Can I still do life with you if I'm struggling with these things? If the foundations of your life are the greatest question marks in mine, can I still do life with you? And that is such an opportunity to say, oh, yeah, absolutely. Because what did Jesus do? He did mm-hmm. life with the people who they were filled with question marks. And he said, oh, that's not a deal breaker for me. Ask me your questions. And so we can then say in the space of those questions, first of all, I love you. Mm-hmm. Secondly, your questions don't scare me. I might not know the answers, but I'm not afraid of this. Mm-hmm. And you're not necessarily challenging what I think. Because I've wrestled with this and I've landed where I am. You have to land where you're going to land. And I'll do life with you while you're figuring that out. Mm. Boy, that's really powerful. Just that, again, the ministry of presence is so key. You described your counselor doing that with you. Did you have other people in your life that were safe enough to do that with as well? I did. I had a team of women that stayed very close to me. My family stayed very close to me. I think I scared them sometimes. I think that they were very concerned about the decisions that I was making and the questions I was asking, the freedom that I felt to ask and do and feel. Um, Felt like, what is she doing? Who is Mm -hmm. this person? We could trust her before now. What if she flies off the handle and doesn't come back? Mm -hmm. And that's what I needed was kind of that long leash, like Mm -hmm. just let leave me be. Just leave me be. And I did. I had a solid team of people who were like, we're going to hold down the fort. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We will hold the string to your kite and not let you fly away. We're going to keep asking you the hard questions. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, you can do this. How are you going to explain it to your kids when they hit their own faith crisis? How are you going to explain to them the choices you made? Oh, okay. I got to think through that. So how does your relationship with God look like now versus before your husband died? Mm, I love that question. A couple of things. One is that I am so well acquainted with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And I understand the presence. And I know it and I feel it. I also um, am not afraid of anything. Oh, wow. That's a sentence. Mm-hmm. I, and it is, 
honest to the Lord truth. There is nothing I am afraid of. As Paul wrote, I've no, I know the secrets of contentment. I can do all things. I feel like I have been to hell, through hell, and back. Oh, God went with me. Okay. Then he'll do it again. Mm. There is nothing... There's not except snakes. I really don't like snakes. <laughs> but <laughs> one caveat. There's one issue. There's one issue. And there is one that I still, if I'm truly honest, one thing I'm afraid of is my children being afraid of me not being able to help them. That to me. But then I come back to, well, God was with me and he will be with them and he will make himself real to them in that space. Do I trust him to love them as much as he loves me? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Then I don't have to be afraid of that. So that's the difference now is knowing the fullness of joy, mm. knowing the presence, and feeling like the conversation with him is one worth having. And that came through your own deconstructing. It did. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so grateful to both Hannah and Trisha for their vulnerability and their courage to tackle this difficult topic with me. I hope we've given you permission to not have to have all the answers. I hope you've gotten the courage to trust God with your friends who are questioning. And you've been encouraged to offer them the gift of just being present, to sit with them in their tension without trying to talk them out of their questions. If you're not familiar with Trisha, I really recommend that you visit her website at trishalotwilliford.com. She's written a few books about her journey through loss, grief, and single parenting. And you can also hear her story on Java with Julie, episode number 173, Lessons I Learned from Grief. We'll link to all of that, as well as a blog that I wrote on the topic of deconstructing on our podcast page at AuthenticIntimacy.com. And today, I just want to give a shout out to our amazing producer, Jackie Roberts. She is the silent voice behind a lot of what we do here at Job with Julie, and she's doing a great job. So thanks, Jackie. And thank you for listening. I look forward to having coffee with you next time on Java with Julie.